Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Welcome, welcome, welcome! You know what? Welcome! Welcome to the Ryanverse! <laughs> you now, need to find an explosion that doesn't just stop when someone turns their phone off. <laughs> that explosion sucks. Yeah, okay. I mean, um, it, <laughs> it starts out good, but then it just, it's just gone. <laughs> then it's like, oh, hey, that was an explosion! Not you like how me. explosions work. <laughs> Uh, that's good. Well, um, that notwithstanding, welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I'm Joel. And I'm Ryan. And we're happy to have you back again for another wonderful trip through 2021. And what a year it was. It, was it really a good was time. quite a year when you see it all listed like this. I skipped yeah. a bunch of stuff, but I watched most of the stuff, as you can see. Yeah. I no. even watched and, Red um, Notice. Yeah. That was you, for you, you people. That was not for my own enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> that was so that, you know, there'd be some big thing that everybody watched, and I'd be like, oh, I better watch it. Check it out. Yeah, I guess, there's, there's a couple I guess of those. this is happening. Yeah, exactly. There's a couple of those coming up here. <laughs> my time is not so valuable, you know. That's the yeah. common complaint with movies, these, this, you know, where... Oh, what's the, I guess it's not common anymore, but there was that cliche that was really, really heavy in the aughts. The, that's two hours of my life. I'll never get back. I'll never get back. Right. It's just like, I'll bet that two hours of your life was really effing precious to you. (laughs) What were you going to, what were you really going to (laughs) do? I mean, it's either, it's either you're doing this or you're doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two, two, two hours of Michelle Obama's life has a real value to it. Most Correct. of us, come on, just what yeah. you watched a bad movie. It's doesn't. It's not a. It wasn't there. It wasn't put there to insult you. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it insulted did. sometimes, occasionally. So you know, yeah. but I don't want to. I don't want to be too hypocritical, but I just it didn't that, punt your dog. It that just, was a cliche uh, that I yeah. just thought was like you know, if you're gonna start out with that, where yeah. else is there to go? <laughs> I, well, you're so. you're right. You're right. So red notice, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I could have spent two hours better spent than on that, no question. But mm-hmm. it's okay. Those aren't two hours I'll desperately want back on my deathbed. My life is what it is at this point. Right. So. Um. All right. Well, what about let, the movie uh, show with Joel and Ryan? Though that's about two hours. <laughs> that's two hours of your life that you look forward to spending with dear friends. You curl up. <laughs> You curl up with a nice fire and you put your headphones in. You hit play on your phone. And here we are. And you just drift away into the lovely, uh, melodious sounds of our scratchy winter voices. We may sound pretentious and judgy, but 
We really mm-hmm. are here to please. Yeah. Deep down. Um, I, th- I think so. We certainly, yeah, we're certainly trying to. Um, all right. Well, you know, you know where we, uh, you know where we can start, Ryan. Hmm. Very, very important. You know what we get to do today. Hmm. Let's start it off 2021 with. Based on the incredible true story. Ooh, you've been oh, yeah. For, that for a while. Yeah. Huh? We've been teasing this sounder forever. And so I'm going to hit it twice. Based on the incredible true story. And uh, all right. So our first movie that we are going to talk about today is 12 Mighty Orphans. Yeah, pretty uh, much the most milk with toast, mediocre, based on the incredible true story story out there. Based on the incredible true story. Yep. But it also demonstrates why being inspired by the life of somebody special who changed other lives, like that's what this is. It's a sports movie. Mm-hmm. It shows that if you do that and that's the path that you chose, even if you don't deliver the thrills and spills or the high drama, you still end up with something in the end that's that you can embrace to one degree or another, I guess. Right. Um, right. Who's, you give the synopsis of this so we, I can get the name in there and the. Yep. Yep. It is uh, haunted, haunted by his mysterious past. A devoted high school football coach leads a scrawny team of orphans to the state championship during the great depression and inspires a broken nation along the way so you got old school football which is fun you got yep, uh, a couple of leather actors. helmets yep you got an orphanage that has some management problems that's always dramatic um this st- film stars uh, as the guy with the haunted past what's haunted in his past i watched this movie <laughs> a weird way to lead off the synopsis well he's he like in world war one <clears throat> or something or you know i don't know yeah, that that would track i mean it's uh he, he, Wilson, Luke Wilson. Luke, Luke Wilson, yep. Uh and Luke Wilson's a really, really good actor. It's nice to see because he's not his star is tarnished a bit. I mean, he's not some big movie star anymore, but he, he absolutely can carry a movie. And this mm-hmm. is a really fun and well meaning one. It's a really weird uh cameo by Robert Duvall in it, where it's just he's like a guy who's in the stands at one of the games and they go talk to him and it, it really has that weird, it has that super weird cameo feeling. It's only a moment in the movie, so I don't want to oversell it. But like he, like he swung by to say hi to Martin and they're like, Hey, do you want to be in the scene? Seriously? Like that? Like what was, remember the Simpsons spinoff episode? That's an old one yeah. now, but, and it was like, and a few of our friends might be dropping by to wish them luck or whatever. That's really what this felt like. It felt like, yeah, like it's in the, the movie star the of the other movie yeah. from somewhere that just appears here, and they have to kind of <laughs> wink and just slightly smile their way through this whole weird scene that ends up being nothing really that has to do with anything. And yeah. I just found that super weird. What do you? Leave Robert Duvall yeah. alone. You know, he's old. <laughs> if you don't need him to mm-hmm. do, bring something substantive to your story, let him rest. Let, let he's him, only got just, a couple yeah. of these left in him. I, I just was. Oh. It would have been a better cameo, frankly, if they would have just never even like just showed him as they are panning through the audience. And people would go, that dude looks like Robert Duvall. Eh, okay. And then there's. I <laughs> just. What's that character's utility? I, I don't know. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I, I, that's the weird thing about it. He he appears, he disappears. What happened and why was it there? No, there's no reason. And so, I mean, it's not that they don't talk about anything. They talk about a little about football and a little about, oh, you're taking over this program. But this is all stuff we already know. Yeah, yeah. So I just, and it's weird because Robert Duvall, even in his current state, is super famous and just shouldn't be... It's just weird. It's it just shows you that the movie misses the mark here and there. It's certainly not a bad movie by any means. The period trappings are fun. The the film makes something out of the innovations that this guy actually brought to the game of football, which are very very yeah. interesting. If you're into football, but the you know the it's the how you know it's like any of these movies, Dead Poet Society or whatever. When you start lining them up. You know, whereas this mm-hmm. this one just doesn't even come close to the best of them. I, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Right. It's just a little, it, even f- as far as sports movies go, which I watch a lot of sports movies because I, mm-hmm. I just find, and this one was no exception. I find that they're very easy on my psyche and they, they're very safe things to spend yeah. two hours with where yeah, I'm not going to be. We know the shorthand. We know the shorthand. We're getting stuff out of it. You know, that's exactly. That. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, so I I was hoping this would be better than it was, and it wasn't. But again, a depression era, orphanage, you know, plucky kids. You got some teenage kids with some abandonment yep. issues, and some there's some drama that comes from that. You got a hard nosed coach who's not whose nose is really super soft, actually. So I mean, there's none of that sort of this stranger comes to town. It's it, if you could tell it from the kid's point of view, like Dead Poet Society does, then suddenly this person in front of you is this magical, amazing thing that yeah. inspires you or pushes you in one direction or another. But this movie's from his point of view, and it, it doesn't really – you don't spend a lot of time with his family. I mean, you just don't really get a sense of his philosophy. You know, you got to kick a kid off the team, and then he learns his lesson, and you let him back on. It's like – yeah. we've seen all this it, you learn you, you learn that you know you just gotta buck up bear down and let's get back to work <laughs> did you that's read like, that someplace or? yeah that's like the big quote yeah like, like that's the quote from the movie uh well, well so. said we'll leave it there it, it was it's nice it was nice yeah i mean it's got vanessa shaw wayne knight uh martin sheen uh, Treat Williams in there, and of course, uh, we already mentioned Robert Duvall comes by, lends a little gravitas. Um, but <laughs> if, uh, if nothing else of any use, if nothing else, he definitely yeah, bring, you can go. He definitely brings the gravitas. If that was the idea, yep, you know what this yep. film's missing? A certain amount of random two and a half minute gravitas. Let's yeah. throw it in there. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's interesting here. Um, like he's, I. He's on the poster that's on IMDb, but I'm not sure that he's credited. I, as part, he was of credited the, in the film. Oh, okay. A lot of those guys, you know, you read the cast where it's first of all, it's Luke Wilson. Yeah, yeah. You've got all these other ands, withs, as. Oh, there it is. There at the end is. of the yep. credits, and he was he was yep. in that bunch. Yep, because you introducing know, Mar- Martin Sheen. Mar- yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny when are these movies all yeah. share that coming. I don't know if you guys. I don't know if the listeners enjoy that sort of minutiae, but I very much do. I sit and watch these credits and, and billing is interesting to me. And whenever you mm-hmm. get like three or four old, old people fighting over the final credit in the, in the credit sequence, it's a, it's weird how they have to manipulate it to do it. And yeah. I'm always like, 
you know, once it's more than two of you guys, uh, you really just should have taken third billing. At, at that point, your name is stronger there than being mm-hmm. the second of two widths before the and. Yep. <laughs> That's not an impressive place to be. So get get back up at the top, even if it's not as close to the top as you want. Yep. You know, yeah, it's, I, yeah, there, are, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting because you know, obviously, that stuff is negotiated by agents. There are also rules that have to be followed from the Screen Actors Guild in terms of billing. Well, and our favorite yeah, one is The Natural, where Robert Prosky's agent, or is it Robert Prosky? No, it's it's uh, 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 it's the other guy, Darren. But, um, yeah, but yeah, it affected uh, Darren, but that's not the one I'm talking about. It's Foxworth. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Rob, Richard yeah, Foxworth's Foxworth. agent got Richard. him the and credit before Darren McGavin was signed on. So Darren had no place to go except smack dab in the middle of the credits, and so he just waived his credit, and he's not credited in that film. And it's it's, I mean, it's it's weird, stupid thing, but it's he's better yeah. off for not being credited in that film than to ha- have taken some weird, yeah. you know. Because it's a long ways till you get to him. Kim Basinger, Barbara Hershey, even she's barely in it. She's Blend she's going to be up top. Yeah, uh, Redford, yeah. Duvall, all of them before you even start to get to where the the breakdowns start to happen. And mm-hmm. and Fo- Richard Fo- and Wilford Brimley, you know, yeah, McGavin was going to have to come after all those guys, and he had no shot at being a with or a and. So instead of being the second with. He said, F this. And they're like, you don't want to do the movie anymore? No, I'm going to do the movie. Just leave my name off of it. If you're not going to treat my name with the respect I've earned from a career this long, then don't, don't put it in there. You can put it, put it at the end. to tell everybody who I was. I don't care where it is at the end, but if you're going to roll credits at the beginning, I'm not waiting seven people to see my name. No, thank you. And I just thought that was kind of cool. Why I wish they would uh, like open up the thesaurus a little bit and have things like, in addition, we have. <laughs> it's that's now you're really yep. causing chaos where what we need yep. Joel is an even keel. <laughs> okay, uh, so, maybe I'm just maybe I'm feeling chaotic today. Well, I'm I just saying panic. that's we're <laughs> these are time these are time honored things you don't want to mess with. You know, the, uh, the flip side of the story, why not? We're talking about credits. The the other one that I like, I don't know when this would come up, but uh, and I can't remember the actor's name, so that's too bad. But uh, Khan, Nooney and Soong, played by Ricardo Montalban in, in, the, yeah, in yeah. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. He has like a right-hand man, and I, his name's on the tip of my tongue. And he waived credit as part of his contract so that they could negotiate better billing for him because he's he's important in that movie. Like he really, he's mm-hmm. like the sounding bard for the bad guy. And he's in every scene that our villain is in. And it ended up, it, it ended up not working out. So he ended up on unbilled in a movie where really anywhere he could have got his name in there would have been good for him. J- Judson Scott is the name of the actor, by the way. Uh, yeah. I was, yep. Um, yeah, I knew it would come to me as long as I just, Bided my time, Joel. I knew it would come to me. Um, you know, he's good in that movie. That's his highest profile role of his career, really. And 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 it's and he's uncredited in it because his agent was sort of incompetent about how they worked all this stuff out. And he shouldn't have been. He he should have been sort of the least prominently credited guy in there. 
Yeah. Star Trek's tricky. You've got to get through the entire original crew in the opening credits before you can even play around with any sort of yep. thing. Even if you're only going to give Ohura four lines in the movie, she will be credited ahead of you, even if you're a really important part of the story. That's just that's just the break. So, you know, but poor Judson, he's not he's not credited anywhere in there. Even at the end, he's not. It's just like his character didn't exist. Oh, no, no, it's sad. It's a sad, yeah. sad story. Well, on to um, more right. inspiring. On things. to next up is No Man of God. Uh, yeah, the complicated relationship that formed between the FBI analyst Bill Hagmeyer and serial killer Ted Bundy during Bundy's final years on death row. Uh, I really like incredible true story. Yeah, I really yeah. like this movie. Um, it's not a great movie or anything. And it, it does commit one sort of cardinal sin. It really is. Uh, the whole film takes place kind of in the, these prison halls and specifically in this interrogation room that they, that all their interactions happen in. I mean, there's, there's the scene where all the other agents, you know, are assigned cases or whatever. And there's, there's other mm-hmm. stuff that they, they try and do a whole intro with, um, was it Elijah Wood, right? Yeah, Elijah Wood. Driving his car so that you could be outside for part of the movie, you know. But the reality mm-hmm. is it's this two-man show, this FBI guy who, who, uh, who's there. I mean, he's got two missions. One, the, the, the idea behind what all these guys are doing is you know, interviewing these people, trying to learn as much about them as they can before they're gone. Yeah. And to that, the, thus the, and those reports and them studying them will then make them much better profilers. And, and, you know, thus was the state of the FBI at the time. And of course, Ted Bundy, even though he's very famous and all these guys are ambitious young agents, they, nobody wants to deal with him because he notoriously won't, he notoriously sits there and wastes your time and spins lies. And um, so nobody wants him. And Elijah's kind of quietly in the corner does the, uh, I'll take Bundy, you know, and they all kind of tease him. And, but he builds a really interesting and unique relationship with this guy. Um, And that's really interesting to watch. Who's the guy who plays Bundy? Cause he's not in everything. And he was, that's a big role. And huh? Luke Kirby. You know, it's really, really good. Yeah. The only sad thing I'll say about it is it, it, for such a simple, elegant, and straightforward thing that has a very, you know, the rules of the interrogation thing, are, it's very mm-hmm. clear. And um, when it comes time for, for uh, Bundy actually sort of, you know, a couple days or a day before he's about to be executed, does start it does sort of let it go yeah what he felt and what was his motives behind what he was doing his actions and they it's all stylized and you don't really hear him and you you see mm-hmm. Elijah's reaction shots and stuff and I sorry if that's a spoiler for it but to me it to me the whole movies the conversations between these two guys there's sort of somewhat their effect on each other but really, yeah, it's, that, that's where it happens. These two guys across this table from each other. And if you can make that compelling, you've really done a good job. Um, yeah, yeah. And it bums me out that they went 
that they went like, oh, it's going to be all like suggestive and stuff like for that moment of all moments. Yeah. And it partly is they didn't want to just have him roll it because he really did just let it all out. He he revealed, uh, I guess I won't totally spoil it for you. The mission is to get, the, that's the A mission is to get inside his head. B yeah. mission is, is surely he murdered way more people There's, than we know. There are other, yeah, there are other ones that he was a suspect in, but not enough. And they're trying to get they, you know, that out to... of him before mm-hmm. before he disappears. And that's yep. Um, they're both really, really tricky because Bundy sees himself as a as an everyman hero. Yeah. And 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 it's that's becomes that he believes in his own. It's this, well, and his he own was he, version of himself that is really yeah impenetrable. he was. He was, you know, he, he was, you know, by all accounts, he was a brilliant guy. He defended himself. And the judge actually, the judge was like, you would have made a great lawyer. Too bad you're a murderer. Bye. You know, <laughs> yes, uh, right. uh, yeah. Uh, Luke Kirby, best known from uh, as Lenny Bruce in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So, oh, well, there uh, you go. Right, yeah, look. So that's, I was like, I know I looking at him. I'm like, oh, well, I've seen him in something. Yeah, no, he's uh, yeah, he's. He does he's done a ton of TV work, um, so good on him for. It's a, uh, it's for pop, this. I mean, it's a small, subtle little thing, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of real crime dramas out there. People are really into these sort of mock, mock you dramas where they yeah show you some of it and talk about some of it. And to me, this was that's me. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, I I'm get gonna, into that stuff if I'm going to spend time with mass murderers, this is how I want to do it. Mm. with a narrative and and i really don't want to do it but if i'm gonna this is how i'm gonna do it because i think i think this it this is brilliant this really does not sensationalize him at all and and elijah's fantastic in it and kirby's really really good in it and you know i i Uh, but at the same time it's uh it's it's what i said it's you're in this little concrete room for like two-thirds of the film so you don't want to i don't want to sell it as some sort of there's no killings in it, you know what I mean? There's no right. Yeah, this isn't the, the Ted. Killing this isn't it. the Ted Bundy story. This right. is about this this, you know, trying to unlock his mind a little this bit. This mission and, and, to get yeah, this, this information mission, yeah. and and um, the, the I won't. I haven't revealed anything that Elijah does in it. His method yeah. of investigation and his the the tack he takes with this guy is. Because yeah, I mean, really... I gotta say, I don't to try to. I don't want to spoil things. It was weird though when he like pulled out that ring, and was like, "This is the one ring, yeah. and I got to get this to Mordor, that was and weird. I can only get there." It was really strange. Shame on you for but... that. That wasn't funny <laughs> enough to be bringing that into this. <laughs> I respectfully disagree. Okay. I made myself well, laugh. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that one. Um, <laughs> yep. I'm not saying it wasn't funny at all. I just, yeah. I'm not sure that was funny enough. Um, I jumped in. I jumped in with way too much confidence in that joke. I will say that. I'm like, I'm going in. Well, that's the only way to do it. That's, that's the only way to do it. To be in your defense. Yeah. If, if we just sensed fear in you when you started doing that, you, you all would have been lost. So, that's true. I do admire your true. commitment to your lady. <laughs> It's a good one. Uh, if you like that sort yeah. of thing, it's a good one. And it's much higher quality than the just the, you know, the whatever, the crap mm-hmm. you get on TV and stuff. So it's, it, it, check it out. It's interesting. 
this next one uh, is a, is a fascinating, uh, fascinating story. Uh, kind of a heart. I don't know. It's just it's hard to wrap my brain around. Um, it is also based on the incredible true story um, of following 9-11. Um, but this one is called Worth, and it's uh, about an attorney. Um, uh, he battles against cynicism, bureaucracy, and politics to help the victims of 9-11. Um, but yeah, basically his job is to determine how much all of these victims' lives were worth. He's, he's uh, put in charge of the... the the relief fund for the victims of nine 11. Mm-hmm. And he, he knows being, having worked in law and having worked in government his whole life, that if the parameters aren't set, it will become a mess. Nobody will be satisfied. Nobody will be paid. Like he just, he just, he's the guy, he volunteers with, with a pure heart to take on this really unenviable task of interviewing these families and, you know, and then setting what the rules are for how much money mm-hmm. you get based on what the circumstances were. It's tough, tough job. And, um, and of course, it's, it, it's fascinating. From a law perspective, It's Michael Keaton plays the lawyer, but he's just fantastic in it. Yeah, yeah. His, his whole team is really, really good. It's a team thing, you know. But it's a it's a true life story. It's very subtly told. It was made for direct cable, I believe. Is is this who where was this premiered, you know? Uh, the poster will, should show. Um yeah, and it's a it was a Netflix film. It's really good. I mean, I really really liked it. There's a whole there we're getting into the territory here where these you know, where I just really think these one after another really really represented this complicated real life stories very very well these aren't super entertaining films i don't maybe none of them on this list are they're not meant to be necessarily they're meant to feel truthful and they really really do and i would say that's true even of the 12 orphans and you know the movie we just talked Mm -hmm. about that they're they pull back from the sensationalistic storytelling in a big way to to uh, well, like Joel was saying, to get to the heart of the thing, not in a, a squ- squishy, feel-good, triumph of the human spirit sort of way, but in this way that you know this is this is what this was. This was the dilemma. How do you help these people? Yeah. Um, and a lot of them did didn't didn't want to be helped. They, especially the families, surviving families, were just. Enraged, they're enraged by the very concept of this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that there need to be yeah. laws and rules and regulations put in place. Um, it it's a really, really. I mean, it's it's a really, really good one. It's not Oscar worthy stuff, but it's the kind of movie they don't make a lot of these anymore. And the, there was a whole little collection of these that I really, really adored, starting with this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, this is this is one that I I, I watched. Um. I, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, yeah, it had, it had, it like hit all the beats of a great movie. Yeah. But there, it, it just, you know, wasn't, you know. It, yeah. It's not a great movie. I'd agree with you there, great, yeah. but it's a, it's a story worth telling. It is worth it is absolutely two hours a story of your time. Worth telling. Yeah. Absolutely it is. And, and it yeah. feels um, very authentic. And that I, because of that, I'm willing to give away a little of the, well, you know, 
the the perfect mm-hmm. drama and the perfect conflicts that don't exactly come to be in it. Yep. It embraces the complicated nature of the issue. You know, Stanley yeah. Tucci is probably the other actor worth mentioning. He's he represents a, a victims' rights organization and is just fighting back, not just to, not specifically against the fund, but against the very yeah. idea of it. And I think there that that conflict is is interesting, and the way it resolves itself is interesting without being. Yeah. Like you say, without being incredibly dramatically, you know, that is yeah. the part that's missing from this. But I really do believe that's because these are all reasonable people. There is no villain. There's nobody trying to undermine anything. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a system of laws itself and government and, you know, that are all in other people's baskets. Right. And it's just so hard to get anything done. And this is the story of, of something that really did get done that helped a lot of people that needed help and how it happened. There's, there's a lot of legal minutiae in it, but I, I found it interesting. Yeah. And no, it's not a great, I, I found movie. it very interesting. Yeah. yeah. It, but yeah. it was, it was worth it. It was, it, you know, not to be used, not to yeah. make a plan, And Amy, uh, Amy Ryan also, we should mention. Uh, always, always she's, really, really she's solid. So great. His whole team uh, of young people and the questions they bring up, like I just, I enjoy that. They're grappling with the issues surrounding this thing. And again, I really, really admired a, a guy who stepped into a, you know, they all say, well, you, you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to do this job, you know, that, mm-hmm. but he, uh, you know, he keeps it true. And I, I really, really dig that. So. Yep. Um, all right. Next up in our. Based on the incredible true story. We have um, my, my, uh, I just, I love this guy. I love him so much. Andrew Scott and Ruth Wilson mm. in uh, Oslo uh, recounting the true life previously secret back channel negotiations and the development of the pivotal 1990s. Oslo peace accords between Israel and the PLO. You know, I remember when that happened and how, uh, if, if you were into political science at all, the, the, I, I mean, I don't remember the, how it started, which this is the story of that, this really mm-hmm. clandestine behind closed doors meetings of a Palestinian PLO representative and an Israeli representative. Um, to try and find some sort of negotiated peace between these warring things, which are still warring to this mm-hmm. day. And, and the, just the, again, this is, I don't, I think this is a great movie either. This is a lot like the other one. It, you really do. It, this is based on a play, I believe. So this is, yes. again, it's, it's a one room conference table scene where these diplomats fight out every issue and every harm and every wrong that's passed between the two warring peoples for that go back centuries. And, and these two, what are they? They British people. One's an American, one's British. I can't remember. Uh, Neither of them are American. They're both, they're both British. I haven't haven't watched it yet. Um, Part of it is they're hiding behind um norwegian Norwegian oh that's right norwegian it was a big deal for norway to start this without help from england without help from america and even keeping it from them was a big big deal Mm -hmm. and in fact the americans got 
when we got involved in this, we just shot it all to pieces. This this yeah. really was a negotiated piece between these two people, ultimately. Sorry if I'm spoiling the movie, but that's the history of it. I remember yeah. in the 90s where it really was going to happen. They were going to draw the borders. They were The Palestinians were going to get autonomy over their own lands. Um, huge issues like Jerusalem and whatever had compromises built into them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the and and looking back on it, what it's the only way any of this was ever going to work. And the different sides learning that, and these two Norwegian diplomats, uh, like I said, try, just trying to keep it going, keep it going. Ruth Wilson mm-hmm. and and Andrew Scott are fantastic in it, and they have very different philosophies about how this should be handled too. So there's conflict among within them. Um, it's a it's a really really cool movie. Again, it's not. Yep. It's it's kind of to me. I wish more streaming movies were like this. It's it's you know people are going to say it's boring or it's this or that, but it 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 really does right by this story, which is a really complicated story to tell, especially yeah. if you're coming to it without a real understanding of the details. You you learn a lot, and. And you learn a lot of stuff that maybe you should know before you have an opinion about any of this. And I think that's yeah. very, very cool. So I liked it a lot. Yeah. I'm sure it's a uh, fantastic play. It must be. Cause yeah, I mean, and the movie was directed by Bartlett Sher, who I believe directed the play. The adaptation of it, um, of the screenplay, was J.T. Rogers, who wrote the play as well. So it's it's going to be very... Uh, a little stagey, be, don't, no question. Yeah. But it's a story worth telling. I can't yeah. stress that enough. It really is. Um, okay. Next up. Because in here lies the kernel. It lies the, the compromise. This is a compromise. These two people came up with, and there is, mm-hmm. there is only one way to stop fighting is to stop fighting. Yeah. And it's hard. And I, nobody appreciates that more than me. It's hard. And the way they managed to do that, is extraordinary. They do it by connecting with each other as humans. And it's not easy. And it's amazing to see. And it's utterly tragic how it fell apart. That part's not shown in the mm. in the film. In the film, just to warn you. But the fact that we're still here and that's all the same issues, and that, you know, 30 years later, and that the only way to stop is to get back into giving and taking, and you just it feels like there's no yeah it feels like that until the people until the players change it's, there's no no chance of that and it it's so it's hopeful in this wonderful way but it's tragic if you really know the history mm-hmm. of it too and mm-hmm. i like i like that and i like um, Andrew Scott and Ruth Wilson too yeah they're both taking so a, great. both taking a break off from the his dark materials series which is <laughs> totally yeah. totally different kind of project and i believe this is a hbo as well so yep yep it's good use of their time it really they're fantastic in it i, I don't want to sell it too much they're both known as being very very um very sharp and i want to say over the top but just very very sharp big performances that mm-hmm. that each detailed large performances that each of these guys have delivered. And this is not that at all. And it's, yeah, but that's, what's delightful about it. You get to see, you know, they're being subdued and them being these mousy intellectual diplomatic people is interesting. It's fun to watch them in a, that different sort of role. And yet there's still cool conflict between them. So 
Yeah. I, I dug this film a lot. Joel, you're a fan. You should definitely, definitely see it. Yeah, I got to watch this one. Um, all right. Another movie I need to watch. Uh, it's been sitting in my queue going, and I don't know how many times I've been like, maybe I should just watch The Dig. Um, these are all incredible true stories. Yep. These are all dry history lessons. You know, I get that. Yeah, and I love dry history. I actually dig that stuff. So, if you don't like that, I mean, you'll know if you've sat through these before and you don't like them. Then these these just aren't for you. Starting Mm -hmm. basically with Worth and the the certainly Oslo and and now, um, the Dig. It's it's this very polite. It's a polite British movie about a really polite time in society you know and it, that's yep. just you got to live with that that mannered way of the world it, there's not there's no place for uh like the maid having a wisecrack that just isn't how yeah. things were done and and once you start having that that's to me to quote a line from uh whatever it is the altman film can't remember the name of it. I always forget the name of it because it's a proper name, right? Something Manor or something, whatever. Uh, Gosford. Gosford, Gosford Park. Gosford um, Park. Yeah, there, there's this great moment where Bob Balaban, who plays this useless, ineffectual movie producer, he's like on the phone with the suits back home, and he's like, he goes, I don't think it's going to work that we have the maid like making all these jokes. One of them just said two words out loud, and it, like the whole room just stopped dead in its tracks. <laughs> yep. So he's... It's a fun moment because he's buying into this little fact-finding mission that he's on, uh-huh. um, even though what the Hollywood cliche ends up being is very, very different than that. So, it, and it's funny because that moment, you know, was was written by Julian Fellows, was completely recreated in the the Downton Abbey movie to yeah. rather yeah. great comedic effect, but still very much. You know, that, that's not going to happen. Nobody who's mm-hmm. lived the life of this particular person is going to forget their place in this situation. It's right. not right. not believable at all, even if it's cute. Um, so uh, this is, yeah, this, so this is in 19, uh, we wrote in 1938. This yeah. is the, um, the archaeologist, uh, Ray Fiennes plays an archaeologist who is embarking on the historically important excavation of Sutton Hoo in 1938. Carrie Mulligan. My beloved Carrie Mulligan also it's, in this. It's her lands that this thing is discovered on. Yep. And he's just this local guy and she gives him permission and all that's a little delicate to excavate this thing. And then once they realize it's this, it's a ship and it's of this certain vintage and it's super delicate, uh, mm-hmm. the whole, all the, the historical and archeological society of Britain descend basically upon it. And, that's hard on Carrie's character for a lot of reasons. It's hard on Rafe's because he's, you know, this was sort of his baby. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pride and just a lot of manners and a lot of societal things that even in 1938 you kind of have to understand. And those keep this from being uh, everyone's shouting their feelings at each other kind of film. And that never happens. So, you know, li- you have to live yep. with that. But, but I thought it was lovely. I like to dig a lot. It's not... You know, again, there's no romantic sparks. It's not Bridgerton. You know, it just isn't. Yeah, it is. They're not going. They aren't going to both be reaching for this Anglo-Saxon mug, and their hands will touch, and they'll look, and they'll go. Oh. But we can't. But it's a like that. the rest of these. It's a more complicated story, and it may be less 
Uh, there may be less heightened drama because of that, but that's the that's the you know you can have both, but it's hard. That all of these movies lean towards authenticity at the expense of heightened drama is mm -hmm. admirable in my opinion. And this this wasn't my favorite of these, but it it was lovely. It was really neat. I felt like I felt like I experienced. I spent this time with these people that I really believed in. I mean that's. That's yeah. what I, that's what I, that's one of the things I want from these. I mean, I want, I'd love if like the ship had a curse and, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that isn't what it is. That's not what yeah. it is. It's is not that. Um, You know, and that, you know, that, that the ship is, larger... is barely an outline in the dirt, you know. It's, yeah. It, that's, you know, that's, that's what they all got so excited about. Joel just read the synopsis. The synopsis assumes you knew what that discovery was and how significant yeah. it was. And of course you don't. You got to learn right. about that as you go through the movie, but it it was significant and was kind of amazing. So mm -hmm. it does, you know, uh, it brings up, you know, this is a larger question, and I don't want to sidetrack us uh, too much, but I mean, movies like this, movies like The Dig and Oslo and and Worth and things like that, they they would be they they would have they would die in the in the theaters in, in you know yeah. in the cinema. So it's these like, days, this for is sure. Yeah, and, and, and even, so this is even in the seventies, they would have yeah. had a tough time of it. I think. Yeah, and this, so this is a this is an example of why streaming services turning studios, the Amazons, the Netflix, the HBOs, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Where they can do some good is they give uh, a home to some of these smaller, quieter stories um you know that that are worth seeing if uh if they you know bring up if they're on a subject that you might go hmm, okay and this one you get to you, this one isn't in the conference room you get to get outside you know you get to go right. on a bunch of bike rides you get to be on some different properties and stuff it's it, it's 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 and there's the, the world war ii of course in 38 is about to break out in england and that's yeah, yeah. hanging over them in a really really heavy way throughout and they, the movie even gives you some young lovers to give a crap about. I don't know why. They they don't help. But Lily James shows up and uh, something of a love triangle there. Yep. Or because it's English, it's like a non-love triangle. <laughs> a not enough love triangle, we'll call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Um, all right, let's move on to the final movie in our... Based on the incredible true story. Category. Um, this brings us to other um, titans of, of current British acting, Benedict Cumberbatch and Claire Foy in The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne. <laughs> Lewis Wayne. Uh, what a, a Stephen yep. Colbert was talking about it. What's the movie that... Uh, uh, the Fifth Estate... That's the dude, the weird blonde guy who hacked everybody's information and stuff and was sharing. Yeah, stuff. Julian. Yeah, Julian Assange. Yeah, Julian Assange. So did Stephen Colbert did a bit where he's proved that he's so despicable that he's uncumberbatchable. Because <laughs> <laughs> Benedict oh, plays him in the it. movie and, mm -hmm. and you still hate him. I thought that was funny. Um, 
not such with the incredible electric life or whatever it is of Lewis Wayne. Too yeah. long, too long. I get it, what you're going for, but too long a title. Yeah. Um, Louis Wayne was the guy who who painted all the cats, and I know that if I could just show you, here's one of his cats. We probably should have had one queued up. Uh, give me a second. Go um, keep talking about the movie. <laughs> it, you'll you'll so you may not know Louis Wayne, and that of course that's the whole point of the movie. But you know these cats, at least you know a handful of them. Um, he was a early graphic artist. He made his living by by drawing for the newspapers, drawing news events, basically, uh, right before the not the event of the camera, but right before the camera and camera photo processing became inexpensive enough that they could include those in the newspapers. So he was sort of this dying breed of a guy who was this very weird artist who sketched all kinds of strange things. He's he had a weird old money family in England, which luckily, which was great because none of the pe members of it are reliable enough to bring home the bacon in any sort of modern sense. And they live in this crazy, there you go. They live in this crazy cat filled home with all these unresolved emotional issues and all this, all these very brief moments of being touched by genius and by madness and and that's all juggled throughout the story so likewise if i think with benedict in it and and him being like a, a cat person if this was a fun quirky movie you'd all have heard about it and had watched it by now would be my yeah. guess it isn't it's shot in academy ratio which is the shape of a, roughly the shape of an old tv so square, so black bars on the sides, gang, is what you have to look forward to. Yeah. Um, but it's it it's it's lo it's lovely. It's a beautiful movie from a costume design. It's basically a chamber drama. So from a costume design and the, the trains and the beach and the umbrellas and the them out in the garden playing croquet and stuff like it's just really really lovely. Um, but it's it's a weird understated thing about craziness that's not bonkers. It's treated with a lot of dignity and respect and, and understanding, even though nobody really understood any of it at the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because there's there's I don't know, there's movie crazy and then there's then there's mental disabilities that, you know, <laughs> that, we're, right. that are all very common in our lives. But back then really was just an incredible hindrance to you being what was expected of you. And as we learned from the dig and as you kind of learned from this film, that's that's nothing was more important than that. Nothing was more for a while. There was nothing more important than good manners. And it's yeah. tough to have them. Even if you understand the rules when you're not fully, you know, in control moment to moment. And it isn't just Louie. It's, there's other people, you know, the, the whole circle all kind of have their issues. I liked it. I thought it was really, really neat. But it wasn't a zany sort of Tim Burton funny movie. It was. It's quiet yeah. at times. It's contemplative. Um, it the lead character is difficult. He is not just a weird. He is a weird, wacky guy. But he's not just a weird, wacky guy. And you have to. So he's. So he's not. So he, from a, a biographical standpoint, it's not very generous with the audience. The story. Sure. Right? I still thought it was really, really cool. But I just, it, had this movie been completely dry and had no empathy in it, which is not true, it does, it has plenty, 
I still would have loved it because it's just so gorgeous. <laughs> it's really, yeah. really beautiful. Uh, people who made this and the way the th- thing is framed and, and I was just like, wow, it's just cinematography, all of it. It's just really, really inspired. And that, that they, these other films, Dig and Oslo and Worth, are, are have, sort of have the absence of cinema style to them. Uh, deliberately, they're telling these real stories and they're trying to tell them in a straightforward and authentic way. This film is telling the story of an artist and the art creeps in from all sides and it, the art even overwhelms the thing at times. And that's that's fun. I enjoyed that sort of balance. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's weird. It's a little odd and off-putting and a not conventionally satisfying drama, really. So keep that in mind. Yep. And this one, uh, and this one is an Amazon, uh, an yep, Amazon, Amazon original. Uh, yeah. Amazon original. So, um, all right. So, um, all right. So we now have to, uh, real quick do, uh, cover the distinction between based on the incredible true story and our next category, which of course is ripped from the headlines. There you go. Um, well, ripped from the headlines. That first time I heard that term was during uh, during the initial run of Law and Order on NBC. Yeah, yeah. Where they would have a OJ like trial, or they would have a Menendez like trial, or they would mm-hmm. have a, none of those were very good. They're all gross. <laughs> They're all gross. They all appear to the, the appeal to the worst sides of our makeup. You know, I don't mind mm-hmm. a nice crime drama, but I, once you start just ripping off something that's happening in the world for and tr- sensationalize it by making your own making it your own in a little hour tv drama mm-hmm. you've, you've you've done an evil thing even if it's not evil you've done an evil thing and you should right. you should be ashamed of yourself about it and you should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself for casting robin williams in it and Whoopi goldberg yeah. and you know it's just ugh, blah. i know yeah. we all kind of are drawn to that i get but, why but I, it isn't good and and for a while it always it was always uh it was always ripped from the headlines and martin short have you as you've never seen him before <laughs> right they did <laughs> yeah. seem to go hand in hand joel you're yeah. absolutely correct about that um one of these is i'm not really being fair to it it's not really ripped from the head it's sort of a proper biopic but couple of these are more ripped from the headline style so we'll start off with the first one yeah uh the first one is zola ripped uh, from the from from twitter ripped ripped from the headline twitters <laughs> ripped from the twitters this was a twitter thread about this odyssey that this uh stripper from la went to she traveled with a friend she had just met to florida and had become enslaved in a prostitution ring there um, and I, I could not bring myself to read the Twitter thread. It's long, long and extensive. It's a, it's a little mini novel of it, but it's well written enough and honest enough that it got the attention of some real writers at the time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the movie, this is, was on a lot. I mean, the whole reason I watched this was cause it was on a lot of critics, top 10 of the year lists and stuff. Zola. Uh, read the synopsis. I know I just synopsized. Well, it, let you, you literally just said it. A stripper named Zola embarks on a wild road trip to Florida. That's the, literally the whole thing. Yeah, the movie it reminds me of is is Harmony Korine's uh, Spring Breakers. If you've ever seen that, um, yeah. 
which is an ugly movie, but but a movie that where the you never really lose track of the point. Um, this film, because it really is based on these weird experiences, and because it's hard to find a point in it, becomes this. It's it's it, it's just hard. We talked about it on the show before. It's hard to show this kind of violence and this kind of uh, salacious sort of you know prostitution and sexist stuff without glorifying it in some way. And this movie doesn't quite manage that. Um, the young woman who plays Zola is really really good. What's her name? Taylor Page. Taylor Page, and it's. Uh, well, I'd never seen it in anything before. She's quite good. And mm-hmm. Riley Keough is really, really brave as the her friend who convinces her to come out there. There's this one scene which is, set, which is uh, what you call black speak, where Riley's in the car on the way there and she's going on this rant. And and the the our, our hero's reaction to it is... A gog, and it's funny. It's funny. It's funny watching some dumb white gangsta kid, you know, mm-hmm. tr- trying to pretend they're a black person. But it's to see it through the eyes of this other person. Like the the film's full of moments like that that really resonate. But it's just a collection of moments. It it, it it's it's hard to make it more than what it is. And mm. like our are based on incredible true story films. This film is super stylized and I really don't know that that helps it to compare it to spring breakers. Again, spring breakers is stylized really only in its cinematography and its color scheme. Otherwise it's just a point and shoot movie. There's no other way to tell a true crime story or a whatever, because any sort of goofy theatricality that you bring to it, you you move yourself demonstrably further away from what it is at its core. And this movie does that countless times at the same time, really good filmmaking, Joel. So, I mean, that's part of, I'm sure why critics liked it because those flourishes are ingenious at times and they're kind of amazing, but I just felt like, I don't know. What was I watching? I I, I found this film impossible to glom onto and grab onto as it was going. Mm. Uh, it was not a pleasant experience for me, but that's, I don't, it's just so ugly. It's the ugliness of the world. Maybe we need to be confronted with that a little bit more. It's possible, but but sure. then you add the pageantry of it to it, and and then I don't know what it is anymore. So it was a tough one. It's tough. I don't know. And uh, sure. it's it it was made mostly by women, which I think helps a lot because there's lots of nudity in it, as you'd expect. There's lots of really gross stuff, but even the main prostitute character, you never see her naked. Riley joked is probably one of the only films she's ever been in where she wasn't naked, at least at some point. Right. And, you know, it, it, that's a, that's in and of itself is sort of a bold choice that maybe, but it's so smutty and awful and the world of the story is so ugly that yeah. I'm not sure that you'll even notice that she wasn't. Cause the, the idea of prostitution still comes across pretty hardcore in it. And again, right. No pun intended. Right. Believe it or not. Uh, Okay, let's move on to uh, next film, um, and which is also. But I recommend, even though I didn't do it, Joel, I recommend reading the 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 Twitter thread because I really think, in one person's words, their experience has a power that this thing missed recreating mm. the story. And sure. I I didn't read it, so I can't say that for sure. But that's my final thought on that on Zola. Okay. 
Well, uh, next up is Ripped from the headlines. And it's Matt Damon in Stillwater. Yeah, this had a this definitely has a rip from the headlines feel to it. Although I like Stillwater yeah. a lot, actually, because it's my kind mm. of movie. You know, is this uh, Damon does a pretty good job for him, as good a job as a movie star of his caliber at this point can mm-hmm. of disappearing into this this kind of trucker junior character who whose daughter is arrested in Paris and is serving uh, not a life sentence, but a really, really long prison sentence for something he believes she didn't do. And his it's his fight to get her free. Yeah. Um, and then the, and the friends he makes along the way, literally it, it really is about that too. The connections and the people that he meets, the advice that he gets and just how a person even grapples with this. Um, the it's, it is ripped from the headlines. It is what ri- truly one of those law and order stories where this is just very much based on a real thing that isn't, but it is disguised enough that it isn't that thing, which gives it the chance to do its own thing with the, with this idea. And all, all the people who actually lived this are still around. The girl in question denounced this film and threatened to sue hmm. when it came out. Uh, but all of that scandal didn't really make it much of a hit because in the end, it's a fairly contemplative slice of life film without any real foot chases or stuff. He gets beaten up at one point in it, but that's, I mean, that's, you know, there, there's not a lot of justice. That's what you want to feel and you don't really get to feel it even, even though, even though it's, it is kind of, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Stillwater, yeah. Stillwater was a good movie. It's made by people who know how to make movies. It's scripted very smartly. It's shot really, really well. It's acted really, really well. So it's totally worth your time. If that setup means something to you, I did. I skipped past the synopsis again. You want to read the synopsis so they can really get, um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, what it is. yeah. I mean, you, you, you sort of basically hit on it. It's, um, you know, a father travels from Oklahoma to France to help his estranged daughter, uh, who is in prison for a murder she claims she didn't commit. Um, you know, they're they're yeah. So he's an Oklahoma roughneck guy, and um, his daughter uh, is the. I mean, she's in prison for murdering her girlfriend. So I'm assuming that's probably where part of the estrangement comes. Yeah, not uh, really. Oh, okay. He was just a crappy father. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Uh, so. Um, that's when I say it like that, it sounds like, oh, well, that's cool. It, it's avoiding the cliche of blah, blah, blah. But like a lot of these, it avoids cliches almost to a fault to the point where you're right. what what really is it then? Because he's mm-hmm. he he's a he's a dumb redneck, but he bends over backwards to be sensitive about that part of her life. Um, it really is. He wasn't around. He wasn't around. And now he is. And what good is it doing? Because you can't fight the system some okie can't mm-hmm. just go to france and beat the french justice system you know the idea is laughable so and it and there's this there's very much this thing at the heart of it where the wisest characters in it are kind of like you by not accepting this and not getting on with it you were causing so much damage uh, that's a common theme that runs through it that I think is very, very valuable that has some wisdom sort of in our everyday lives. But of course, he he can't let go and doesn't and will just you know, let you see where 
that leads the movie. It may not be where you expect necessarily, but it, it was it, it was a good movie. It's just not a super entertaining movie. So sure. on this scale, when you're doing this sort of storytelling and you've got a big movie star and you don't really connect with any sort of mainstream audience, um, I don't think that's necessarily a failure. Maybe it's a failure of ours, but I, I it's not a good enough movie where I'm sure that that's the case, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Next up is a movie that is part ripped from the headlines and part and part based on the incredible true story. Uh, this is the story of the Williams sisters and, um, but it and isn't. they're no, I mean, but like, it, it's the story <laughs> of how they, they became the Williams sisters with the coaching and drive and, uh, and, and, uh, upbringing, of Rich, their father Richard in King Richard, and it was made uh, with their cooperation and their endorsement. So that's important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yep. you have to. The, I think that lends a little bit of of authority to the thing when you're watching. It's a really good movie as far as good sports movies goes. I think we'll see if any others sneak their way in here, but I think this was the the best one by a long shot. It was really really well made. Mm-hmm. Um, and full of all that big time drama and conflict that you really want out of these things. <laughs> so it, you get that in every scene, basically, in this one. Um, but it isn't, I, I lament that it isn't the story of the Williams sisters. It, it, they're, they're part of it. It's just not their story. And yeah. because it's yeah. his, there's, there's, it, and because there's so much of his story that was deliberately left out of this thing, that it became uh, a headline-grabbing film, basically. So not so much ripped from the headlines in a salacious sense as, you know, this caused Richard's other children to come out of the woodwork with a different story. It caused all kinds of sort of ruckus as far as what, you know, what is a film like this should do? What is its purpose? Because it, by the time it's over, even this guy's worst decisions uh, that at least that you think are his worst decisions at the time work out and everything turns out awesome. And he ends up raising these two super well-adjusted, like mega talented, fantastic and perfect role models. Mm -hmm. And they really are that Venus and Serena Williams. Like I'm sure they, I know they have their own problems, but they really are as far as, as far as you ever see athletes become just completely, really self-actualized and and really really powerful they're you know at both as people in their struggles throughout the sport and their struggles with celebrity and as icons that you could really look up to and be kind of amazed by that part's kind of neat and the connection between that is kind of cool and and I, so I really, really liked it. And more importantly, I guess, compared to some of the rest of these, I was super entertained by it. Will Smith's performance <laughs> is, is fantastic. He's, yeah, he's, he knows he's in, I mean, Will always knows the kind of movie he's in. We talked about bad boys three, you know, you're not going to get Will's best in that. Cause you're going to, there's so much time is going to be spent c- crowd pleasing that there's going to be no chance of an actual character coming to life before your eyes. Yeah. It's just Will as cop, comedian as cop, you know, actor, movie star as 
guy with a mission. And this is totally different. This guy is really unique. He's a lot of Will Smithisms in there, but it's it's among his best performances because you really do get a sense of a di of a different person and of a different life philosophy. And I think he he buries himself in that really really well and is a force of nature in the film like the film intends. Mm. And I dig that. And I dig uh, uh, what is the actor's name? Groot. Uh, 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 oh my God! I had it right John John John, John Bernthal. Thank you. Yeah, uh, he's great in it. Um, there, and there's a whole bunch of other people that are too. It, 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 the woman who plays his wife is fantastic. Let's um, give her name a shout out here. If, uh, if uh, that is uh, uh, Angene Ellis, she's Ange really, really Angenue, Angenue Ellis. Well, she's really, really good yeah. because she's she, it, not just as a, both as an actor and as a character. You have to take a backseat mm -hmm. to this giant personality, and when it's when it's your time to shine, or when it's your time when it's time for the character to put their foot down and inject their own beliefs into the situation, it 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 sometimes it feels like oh look the, the the potted plant started talking to us in the movie like sometimes that shit doesn't work at all yeah and it, <laughs> you know what i mean it, it's just uh -huh. like it because because it's not earned by the rest of the movie right it's it, it mm -hmm. wants you to be surprised and and this movie doesn't take that path so it doesn't take the easy way out but it does as a biopic about a guy it leaves out a ton of biography that's out there that would paint him in something of a different light and might have made for a slightly more interesting movie because the right. that that dichotomy is what's interesting and we get a little bit of it definitely but we we I don't think we get enough of it I think he's he's near sainted by the end of the thing and I'm not sure, sure that's sure you know um all right. Well, uh, okay. So that is going to do it for, uh, uh, oh, sorry. I just lost my, uh, yeah, sorry, audience. Sorry, uh, technical difficulties. Uh, that is going to do it for our. Uh, uh, Ripped from the headlines. And uh, and our. Based on the incredible true story. No, but that's not I really true, both. We got lots of, even though the category is gone, we have lots that's of true. based well, on the incredible there, true okay, stories coming up. There is that, but I, there's that's for our, and I just want you know. So don't take I, your like, hand too far away from the trigger. <laughs> well, we know that I never do. All right. Um, all right. So and for the love of God, next, don't ever play that explosion again. That was terrible. No, I will not. I will. Uh, I'm going to try this one here for our next uh, for our next category here. Oh, here we go. It is time for war. And politics, and sometimes both, and sometimes both, um, and sometimes right. very little of either. Sorry, this category was sort of whipped together, you know, <laughs> as a bit yeah. of a catch-all for some of these political thrillers and war movies that I didn't know what else to do with. <laughs> they they do kind of go together, kind uh -huh. of. I guess until we get to the last one. Um, all right. Well, first up is the movie Six Minutes to Midnight. Eddie Izzard. Yep. Um, I read the synopsis. You'll have to read the synopsis for all these because these are hard. Yep. Okay. So, UK, August 15th, 1939. 17 days before World War II, an English teacher and his camera disappear on a coastal boarding school uh, with 20 German teen girls. 
Miller gets the job six days later, secretly trying to find out what happened. I love Miller gets the job. What? That's not that. That's not how you write a synopsis. I hate that synopsis. Yeah. Uh, however, Thomas it does. Miller. It does yeah, get Tim, a lot of information into it. It's an investigation story, sort of. It, it it's weird that it talks about the disappearance of those people because um, that doesn't really happen until the very end of the movie. So mm. so it shouldn't be talking about that. But that's the mystery. This is a British mystery that is known to the people of England. And it isn't known to us. So the the synopsis is saying it as it's a foregone conclusion. And we have to learn why throughout the film. That's yeah. There's a disconnect there. But it is a fun British war mystery. Uh, that's it told in a very old fashioned way. It's, it's a, it's a it rather independent little film with some very interesting performances. This idea of this boarding school in England yeah. for these young German aristocratic women and how it, it's what it's meant to do is to teach them our ways culturally to learn from them. And then the, the rich people marriages between the people of Europe can then be more successful and stuff like it's all, yeah, yeah. it's like a breeding ground for arranged marriages is essentially what the boarding schools. Here, here's a better, here's a better synopsis real quick. Summer of 1939 influential families in Nazi Germany have sent their daughters to a finishing school in an English seaside town to learn the language and be ambassadors for a future looking national socialist society. A teacher there sees what is coming and is trying to raise the alarm, but the authorities believe he is the problem. Interesting. That is that better? Is that a better synopsis? It is, although it, it, it is because it doesn't ruin the end of the movie. So how could it be worse? But okay. it's <clears throat> so it's much better. It's also better written. But it a teacher there, again, we know that this guy's undercover. We know he's on a mission from the government from the get-go. So it's it's not really playing fair in that way. So mm, they okay. it, take the two of those and mush them together and you got something. Honestly. It's a hard sell. It's complicated. What the school is, what he's investigating, you know what I mean? The paranoia <laughs> around the launch of the, the Second World War, it's weird. It's something that Americans can't understand because we didn't suffer from it. We didn't think that the Nazis were going to come here and start dropping bombs on us. Obviously, some version of that ended up happening to us. But it was a shocking, amazing thing. Whereas in Europe... Even in England, even with the English Channel between you and the mainland, it it was oppressive and it was fearful and it was there was just something really dark and awful about it. And more than that, even there was this, you know, from the the French building all those trenches that the Nazis just flew over. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was this getting ready for World War One again, or in the case of the Brits, the desperately trying to avoid World War One all over again because the wounds of that were still fresh. Yeah. So it's complicated. It's emotionally complicated. And I'm sure that's what drew Eddie to it. He gets he's plays the leading man in this thing, a really conventional, old school, you know, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. kind of part. It's really it's weird to see him in that, but it's fun because he's totally against type, and he brings something interesting to it. Uh, it's Judy Dench is in this, yes. Yep, Judy Dench, Nigel Lindsay. Um, Judy runs the school. Yep, Jim Broadbent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadbent's fun yeah. as a guy who a, 
a neighbor of the school. Um, who's the actor uh, who co-wrote the thing and is also in it? Uh, let's see. He's Andy, my favorite. Uh, let's see. There's Andy. The writers are Eddie Izzard. It says uh, Salen Jones, Andy Goddard. Um, so is he a producer then? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was in a he was in a film where he played Dylan Thomas, and he's not in a lot of stuff. And he the guy just knocks me out. He plays uh, kind of just a uh, he plays like a like a like I, I want I don't want to call him a spy. He plays like a body man for a government agent, and hmm. it's an interesting role and it takes an interesting spin. And that's what's fun about this. If you if you like these late night on the coast, waves are crashing, rain is coming down, and there's some sort of weird mystery going on, as long as you don't need the mystery to be super satisfying, because it isn't, it's downright dull, in fact. These people really are what they say they are to some degree, and what's going on around them really has very little to do with them and more to do with the impending war, and there's not a lot an individual, even a spy, can do under those circumstances. Um, there's also a crazy weird scene halfway through where you're just like, what is this? Where they're on the beach and Eddie to escape steals this guy from this. He steals a marching band guy's like uniform or whatever. <laughs> there's this weird foot chase and it's really comical and weird. And I guess I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do <laughs> with this weird Mr. Bean foot chase that's in the middle of the thing. It's very, very strange, but on the whole, I watch a lot of these period period drama, war mystery, you know, things. We talk about them a lot on the show because I pretty much watch them all. This one was interesting. It was different. I didn't know anything about this story of the of the German girls who disappeared one night, you know. I, mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about that. And I just it is it there is a foggy British like coolness to it that I really, really dug. And that's and that's what Eddie's going for. He's making a throw, a deliberately throwback film. Yeah, and it and it works, but it it it's only so good. I mean, it can only it could only ever be so good, really. Right, right. Um, Wish I could remember right. the name of that actor. He would be hard yeah, to find in I mean, that list, but. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking here. Uh, yeah, it's it, there's there's a lot of. He played Dylan Thomas in a movie about Dylan Thomas um, going on an American literary tour. And it's a really, really good movie. So I wish I could remember the name of the movie. Wish I could remember the name uh, of the actor. Let's see. A Dylan Thomas. Uh, let's see. A poet in New York. Would that be what nope. it is? Uh, Last Call. Nope. Um Maybe, I, maybe it's not about Dylan Thomas. <laughs> maybe it's about some other poet, some other drunk Irish poet that I'm forgetting. But I think it's Dylan right. Thomas. Would you look? Would you Google Dylan Thomas movies? I did indeed. Let's do this, uh, folks. Are you with us, audience? Let's find this. Yeah, now the name last. Is. See, last call uh, is the most Domin now Dominion. Dominion. Oh. Recifans. Um, nope. Set fire to the stars. Set fire to the stars. That's the movie. Thank you. Okay. Why was that great. so damn hard to find? Because there's how many a Dylan of Thomas movies? Oh, and it's Ceylon Jones. Ceylon Jones. Yeah, Ceylon Jones. Thomas. Thank Ceylon you, Ceylon Jones. So it was Ceylon Jones who was uh, one of the writers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Good. Okay. We solved that mystery we and more. Did it! Woo!
more to the point, uh, what is it? Set the what on fire? Uh, set fire to the stars. Obviously, that's a Dylan Thomas. That's a tiny little movie that is fantastic. And our, our, who's in that with them? Can you look it up real quick? Give me a moment. The, you know, Dylan has a super fan who agrees to escort him around on this tour. And it's, mm -hmm. it is really, it's truly one of those don't, don't meet your heroes kind of stories. That's a, that's an, another Elijah Wood. Yeah. Elijah's Elijah Wood. fantastic in it. And, and I just really liked it. Set the fire, yep. set fire to the stars. Took me by surprise. And I had never seen that dude. Or if I had seen him, the Dylan Thomas disguise was so thorough. That I was just mm -hmm. kind of amazed. I felt like I was spending time with Dylan Thomas. So what else can you ask from a movie like that? That's not well, going to be go. everybody's cup of tea, but for me, that was like, wow. You know, I felt like spending an uncompromising hour and 40 minutes with him. And you felt like you learned about him and you sympathized with him. And yet you could understand why everyone was mad at him and hated him. All at the same time. That's tricky storytelling. And this film has not so much from a character standpoint, but definitely from a plot standpoint, it's got some of that trickiness to it. It subverts your expectations and probably not in a good way. Cause if what you really want is, you know what I mean? Some sort of mm -hmm. American horror story explanation for this disappearance, you're going to be sadly disappointed, but not bad. Good job, Eddie. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. Um, next up is, I do feel a little bad for Eddie. Cause he might, he thought, "Oh, here I got Judy Dench. Like we're ready, we're ready to rock yeah, here, baby. We're gonna roll. Yep. And it just it's it didn't quite take off like that. But Andy Goddard makes a handsome film, and it 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 turned out pretty good. Um. So this next one is kind of uh, ripped from the headlines. Uh. This really? um. Well, I mean, kind of. It's uh the Mauritanian. Oh um, yeah, a little bit. Muhammadu uh. Udslayi uh, fights for freedom after being detained and imprisoned without charge by the U.S. government for years. It's really based on the incredible true story, although incredible is based on the incredible true story. But it, Mauritanian is more along the lines of the center section there of our based on the incredible true story, which is this rather, mm -hmm. it's a procedural based on these real events and based on these bad laws and based on uh, all these you know, the legal wrangling and advocacy that goes on here. It's not deeply satisfying. It's, it's yeah. real stuff. Although this film has a very, very good reputation online. It's very, very well reviewed. Um, who's the maid lady in it? Jodie. Well, we have, we have Jodie Foster and uh, we have Shailene Woodley um, and uh, uh, Tahar Rahim. Is so, our main is Jodie Foster and Shaley Whitley, right? Big stars. So why have you never heard yep. of it? Well, because it's about Guantanamo Bay, and there aren't any movies about Guantanamo Bay that make you feel good. They all make you feel awful. And this likewise does that. Yeah. It does it in a really clever way. All, a lot some a lot of these movies have this in common. Um, Oslo does it. They all come to a stop at an extremely hopeful place. So as movies, you feel good. And yet they, the first thing that crosses the screen, the text, <laughs> tells you that everything still sucks. And it's, it yep. is like this whip around where you're like, whoa. We saw a couple of years ago, one of my favorite movies of that year, Dark Water with Mark Ruffalo, does the opposite. You end in this hopeless, worthless place. And then the text starts scrolling. And you're like, and it, oh. it doesn't so much 
the text doesn't change the world, but it shows mm-hmm. the, it shows that it gives you evidence of this crusade that happened that makes you be able to pull yourself up off the carpet, literally. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do it. And I just I it, so normally I would say, well, geez, what stories are you telling? Why you know? Yeah. Why are you choosing to end here where it doesn't really end or end in this place of falseness, basically, to what really happened? Right. But in a way, I dig it. I, I get it. You, here's, here's the dramatic part of it. It's not from the prisoner's point of view. It's from this lawyer's point of view. So it's that kind of story. Um, Foster plays it, it, it. She's great. She's the perfect person at this point to play this uncompromising Un, rather unfeeling, like a person who's been through so much tough work on behalf of w- what really is righteousness, but is unable to connect with the human element of any of this out of just a need to protect herself and her utility from from the human tragedy that is everywhere when it comes to our laws and certainly comes to the way that we reacted as a nation unified after 9-11. We... I don't care what you can write letters to me all you want. As a matter of fact, I hope you do. We did everything wrong as a nation after 9-11. That good feeling you remember, that was used purely for evil and only for evil. And economic evil, which was really at the heart of it. It was money in the end. That was the only thing good that came out of it. And it only came out of it like money always does for a select few any movie about Guantanamo, Kristen Stewart's in a really good one where she plays a guard down there. Yeah. I don't know if it's a great movie again. I don't think this is necessarily a great movie, but the, the veil that it lifts off and the way that it awakens you and the way that it engages you with things that are important is night and day from the sort of event films that were, that Joel said are the only things really succeeding in theaters these days. And I'm glad. I'm glad that STX Entertainment and Bleecker Street and Focus Features and that people are still making movies like these because I, to, I mean, I, I watch them all, so maybe I'm totally biased. They're my kind of movies, mm-hmm. but I just hope they don't go away. I really feel like whew, this movie didn't yeah. make any money. Oslo didn't make any money. I mean, none of this. And these films almost feel like they're they're nonprofit public service messages at this point, and to some degree they they have the they have a little bit too much public service message and maybe not enough drama in them. The balance is hard to get right because but this story is, is outstanding. It's really really well told. I mean, it's a really really well made movie as the movies on this list. Uh, who's the lawyer? He's kind of a star too, who is the veteran who is on the opposing side. Um, that's a very good question. Um, well, there's Clayton Boyd. No. Uh, there's Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch with a Southern accent. That's tough to so buy. He plays a lawyer. Okay. I didn't know if he was, uh, I didn't know if that, that's what, what he was playing, but it's yeah, tough. Benedict Cumberbatch is it's also tough to buy. He's playing a, he's playing a, a veteran who, who lost somebody dear to him in, in that, who, uh, who in trying to stick up for the government's case learns a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he learns, yeah. it comes a long way, much to his detriment. You know, at a time where mm-hmm. it was either us or the terrorists, us or the terrorists, take your pick, take yep. your pick, um, Dixie chicks, 
take your pick, whomever. Yeah. If you're not on our side, you are a terrorist. And we still live in that. We live in a we much still. dumber version of that today than we did back then, which is makes it almost worse because it's so transparently stupid. But back then, it was harsh, man. You, they said, you're not on Team America. I mean, it, it was a time where that was a big, big deal. And to stand out and speak your mind was a true act of bravery. Yeah. It, it, it's fun that we get some version of that in this film. It really helps the film because Jody's lawyer character, she's got her, Shailene Woodley's great in it. She's got her naive young assistant. That's a fun relationship to watch on, on screen, but it, it, it's really, it's really Benedict's character who kind of comes yeah. around and it's interesting. It's an impossible thing for a guy in his position to do. He starts out as an up and comer, you know, yeah. You want to get back? I mean, that's basically how they pitch it to him. You want to get back at the one of the people who killed your friend? Booyah. What else are you going to say to that? Right. Um, all right. Well, next up, we have, we have more Benedict. We have more Cumberbatch uh, coming at you. He was here. a busy and, fellow, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, and this one right here in the trailer, it says... Based on the incredible true story. <laughs> uh, it is called The Courier. Oh, yeah, The uh, Courier. And, Yep, this is a Cold War spy, Greville Wynn, and his Russian source try to put an end to the Cuban Missile Crisis. There you go. Uh, this movie, while it's chucking along, feels like Bridge of Spies a little, so if you like that, maybe it's recommendable. Mm. But because it really is this ordinary guy caught up in this sort of Cold War conspiracy... Um, the the rough thing about it is it just... this film doesn't turn out good for anybody they're real lifelong sacrifices made by these attempts um you know this is a guy who isn't mm -hmm. a spy he's just a businessman and they use that of him to make a connection with somebody in the soviet union who wants to make a connection with us the whole aim of the thing is to avoid nuclear war right but the risk involved in that even though it's it the risk involved in that is huge when you consider what the consequences are for for getting busted or being on the wrong side of the wall at any given time and the film explores mm -hmm. that to a great degree and the cost of that and it's it's the career was really really good career also really really good reviews really good audience ratings but of course it's not a film that's going to come across the the faces of every audience member you know so it's an elite crew perhaps at this point that is even watching a film like that but i really mm -hmm. really like the career I, I like the again i'm i'm a i'm a sucker for anything that takes place in another time period and explores that so just take the human story out of it and you got the you got all these cool cars and cool like suits and dresses and like just you know you get to go to the russian ballet you get to experience these foreign things and these things out of time that I always think are sort of magical. And then the relationship that develops between these two guys is, is really, really interesting. And, and mm -hmm. so I dig that. And, and Benedict's character, his relationship with his family, you know, obviously that's, you're invested in that as well. And, uh, it's, it's Angus Wright is one of them. And the, the other ones, the woman, I can't remember her, the American in it. Rachel Brosnahan. Ah, Yes. 
those two characters, basically the super spies, the ones who should know what they're doing, the espionage folks, uh, they're not played in a cliche way either by either of them. It's really, really delightful. It's really fun to see Angus. Angus is a, like, he's in everything, but he's, blinker, you miss him. Mm -hmm. He's a guy drinking tea, or he's Lord number four. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he, dude with wig. He's a great actor, and it's great to see him in this. Of course, yeah, Rachel, it makes sense. Sorry, I don't, I don't watch, you, I'm outing myself as a non-marvelous, marvelous Ms. Maisel, Maisel viewer. Yeah. I'm not, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have, is it is that an Amazon show, right? I didn't have Amazon, Amazon when yeah. that started. I intend to watch it. I'm a big uh, fan of the writer and these actors, but and now that knowing that Luke Kirby's on that, and he plays Lenny Bruce of all people, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. I mean, that really is cool. So I'm getting closer. <laughs> Rachel's 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 great in this. She plays she's she plays a different kind of person, you know. Uh, I like films like this. They're complicated. They're emotionally they emotionally make you confront things that are difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I like that. I like getting wrapped up in a story like that. Sure. So much better by comparison to the similar uh, you know, like Eddie Izzard film and some of the other films on this list. This one really does. Again, it really feels authentic. It feels like you mm -hmm. paid you paid the price for the noble actions of these people right along with them. And that's pretty neat. All right. Well, next up, we're gonna go back back into the world of World War Two. In uh, and this one is uh, Guy Pierce in The Last Vermeer. Uh, read the synopsis for The Last Vermeer so we can get the names right. out there. Yep. So we have, um, uh, let's see, it's an artist is suspected of selling a valuable painting to the Nazis, but there's more to the story than meets the eye. Yeah, um, we, yeah Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce plays uh, a, a it's kind of failed artist, art critic, member of high society, and it's Holland, right, where this film takes yep. place? Yep. Um and Holland, I've said it before, and I've read reviews that it really frustrate me. Holland during World War World War Two, you know, was it, it was this it it, it was <laughs> we've romanticized the sort of French resistance to this degree that at least on film, it, you know, you can't go back on Holland was such a compromised place. And mm -hmm. they're, they're, what they were able to do to combat the Germans was nothing. They didn't put up anything resembling a fight when the, they showed up. And they weren't really capable of fighting back. And, of course, Germans getting assigned to Holland, to getting assigned to Rotterdam or wherever, was a great gig because it was a lot like Germany and the Holland. The Dutch people were pretty much non-resistant. You know, and the people who took a stand against Nazism in in Holland during World War II were a special breed of people who were really just compromised morally in the types of acts and the types of things that they had to do. Mm -hmm. And several of them, including this guy, the guy Pierce plays, were punished or attacked after the fact because the ambiguity of being uh, being part of any sort of resistance in Holland, it wasn't clear what you were. If everyone saw you dating Nazis, 
They didn't know that you were also stealing information. Likewise, right. if you were a Nazi in Holland, you were probably a more mild one. You weren't dragging people out into the street and gunning them down in the square. So actual relationships between the occupying army and the people there over those years developed and just made everything complicated and ridiculous. Yeah. I love so I love war stories that take place in Holland. This is one of the better ones I've ever seen. It, this is ostensibly at long after the war is, or not long after, but immediately after the war is over. And it's this trial of this artist who has some rather amazing claims about what he did and what he's done. Um, that's being tried as a collaborator and is going to be executed if he's found guilty of one. And it's really about the character played by Clay Spang, the Dutch actor, yeah. It's his lawyer or his advocates, uh, who's basically a Nazi hunter who sort of helps this guy or takes his case, if you will, and and it's great. It's a Joel. It's a great courtroom drama, right? You love a good courtroom drama, yeah. Oh, absolutely. With all him. kinds yeah. of crazy. Everyone should. It's got a great. From now on, you tell me everything scene. <laughs> Which, sorry. Yeah. Every courtroom yeah. drama, don't use that exact yeah. line, please. They don't. But they all seem to have that, like, that moment where the shoe drops and everyone's, like, in stunned silence. And the true believer character suddenly is like, you're you're an asshole and deserve to die and everything just sort of falls away. <laughs> this film has a great moment, <laughs> moment like that. And Guy Pierce as this flamboyant high society... Uh, it's just, it's a delight. Yeah. I mean, it's a disguise and it's a little silly. You, you, you know, you see Guy Pierce there, but those types of performances at their best, you just get so exciting. Yeah. And Clay Spang's been in a bunch of great movies recently and he'll continue to be in great movies. Cause he's a very, very complicated, really great, like old school Richard Burton kind of performer mm -hmm. who, who doesn't do a whole lot. And yet, conveys a great deal of emotional complexity and so i'm a big fan right. of his right so i loved last Vermeer, and again another movie which it's not going to be on everybody's to see list but is right. really well reviewed and and very impressive thing the art in it yep and also important to note based on the incredible true story yep so um yeah yeah uh very cool um all right finally uh in our warm politics cold or otherwise category uh, we have um, America's sweetheart, Tom Hanks, uh, getting together with America's action downer guy, Paul Greengrass. <laughs> um, shaky cam man. <laughs> yeah, shaky cam man. Uh, with news <laughs> of the world. Yeah, Paul Greengrass wanted to make a super downbeat Western. And I've said this before on the show, and it's very, very true. Uh, and this movie is very, very much this dream realized finally for for Tom. Tom Hanks, for a decade, wanted to bring the film The Postman to the big screen. Um, obviously, that was ultimately directed and starred in by Kevin Costner to much, much critical dismissiveness and audience anger and resentment. Yeah. But that film is ostensibly a fable about this guy who finds himself in this weird situation. And, and the, it's the fable aspects of it that are exciting. It's written by David Brin, who's one of the best mm -hmm. 
writers of hard science fiction ever. So it the book is good, The Postman, but something the movie the Postman, yeah. something happened when Costner got a hold of it where it just it, something happened to it. I don't even think it's a bad movie, but it something of the what it is is lost in it and so you're you're forced to try and take it all uh as an actual thing and it's hard to do that. It it's just too silly of an idea ultimately. The newsman's about this guy after world or after the American Civil War has ended, and he goes from town to town, and his whole thing is he reads the news. Yeah. And these weird illiterate people come in, or people who don't buy newspapers, or people who, because they're in a mining outpost, are completely out of touch. Yeah, they don't get the news there for whatever reason. Right. So he basically reads through the news, but what his real gimmick is is picking out the weirdest stories and telling them in this wonderful sort of audience interactive way so it gets mm. through the headlines so that everyone's up to date on what's going on in the world but he always picks out this you know uh woman killed her husband for whatever reasons thing and he he always finds this human interest hard copy like current affair type americana story to share with these people and it's fun it's a really fun role for him watching him read this thing but sure. he gets through misadventures or bad luck whatever you want to say he gets hooked up with or connected interconnected with i won't explain how that's part of the joy of watching it this young uh raised by engines little girl this is a story that's old as the western itself really the little yeah. white girl who needs to be rescued but has completely gone native or the little you know, the little big man, it's that idea. Yeah. Um, and of course she's, 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 I mean, she just doesn't know anything other than she's completely gone native and he's mm -hmm. trying to get her through the world and get her to her people. They know where her relatives are. It's, it's some convoluted means. I can't even remember, but he basically takes on the job of getting her from one place to the other. He's and along the way doing his work. And he attracts some unsavory folks, and he gets some help from some kind people, and it's it's really just a road movie between these two. Sure, him and this little girl, and and it's 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 in an old school western way. It's a very convoluted relationship, and I think that's if people had a big criticism of it, I think it was that because it couldn't have been the look of the thing, and it can't be really the performances because they're top notch. Um, it, it was nominated, it was almost in our Oscar category or our, it's an honor to be nominated category. So it was nominated for cinematography and maybe only cinematography, but in that alone to some of us, that's a, that's a big category where, you know, yeah. we, 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 we may not see all the best adapted screenplay films. But we're damn well going to see all the best cinematography films. And I'm one of those people, cinematography in this stunning and there is no shaky cam action sequences it's 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 it, you know it just isn't any of that there's none of that born sequel or green zone or just name all the paul greengrass movies that you want yeah uh united 93 is that what the number mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that one stuck with me boy that movie's amazing anyway it's not like that it's just it's a it's an old-fashioned western idea shot and made in an old-fashioned western way and it's beautiful, and it's if, as a Western, it's got some complicated stuff in it. The relationship between these two, while a, a Hollywood cliche, goes in sort of different places than you would think. And I, I really was taken with it. But it is, it's a downbeat, ugly, muddy, dirty, 
very poor post-war America that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I liked it for that. I liked it for that reason. I I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. It's if Tom Hanks wasn't enough to get you there, then you you probably are avoiding it for the right reasons. But I I still, I I, I dug it. I just, there was much more right than wrong with news of the world. Sure. Um, I, I hesitate to mention this um, as a capper to this, but um, we haven't brought him up the whole show. And we, we, we but um, Gordon, Gordon didn't like this film. Oh, he didn't. What well, did he say? He said, he said it doesn't, re- the subject setting doesn't resonate with me. Story's good. However, it doesn't resonate with me as their lives are so far from mine. <laughs> I, okay, Gordon. I, that's fair. Their lives right. are so far from ours. Of course, that's what draws me to the movie. So yep. maybe me and Gordon aren't the same that way. It would there explain why Gordon reviews so many conventional mystery thrillers and stuff. Because those people, typically their lives are ostensibly like ours. And it's the situation that they're drawn into. You know, this, this guy, his whole take on life is completely different. The little girl raised by Native Americans, I mean... You should, mm-hmm. They come across different Native American characters throughout the film, part of which is a detriment to this mission and part of which really, really helps the mission. So it's it's just this mixed bag that's really, really fun. She's great in it. She's really great. What's the little girl in the News kid? of the World? Yeah. The kid? Uh, um, Hel- I just was looking at it. Helena Zengel. You're going she's places, German. kid. Yep, yeah, she's, she's German and she never knew. Um, she didn't know who Tom Hanks was. You can tell she's not impressed with him at all in the film. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's part of why it works, I think. Yep. Yeah, she is not, she, that kid is neither, is not impressed with the character, nor is this, the actor starstruck by this guy at all. And it, that's fun. Hanks gets it, you know, because he gets everything. So, yep. I don't know. I don't think we can go. I don't think we can breach another category. So this. No, no. I, th- I think I, I was just going to tease. I was going to tease what we have coming up because we have we still have um, some really great. You know, have we have we uh, talked about musical uh, musicals yet? No, we have not. So we have a whole category of musicals. Um, there's some. Thi- I don't know if you guys are familiar, but there have been a few um, like comic book movies out lately. Um, we're going to talk about those too. Uh, not all of them, but a bunch of them. We have, you know, we, yeah, we have some sci-fi, um, some big time sci-fi and some little time sci-fi. Uh, and, and we have, yeah, we have some crime dramas and crime thrillers. We have a bunch of really, uh, of really fun movies to talk about still. So, uh, I hope that you will continue to hang out with us as we, uh, as we go through 2021 here. Um, and because, uh, yeah, because we're, you know, we're going to come across some, you know, some sneaky films that you might go, you know, you might be looking for something to watch on a Saturday night. Uh, well, while you're I can just home. tell you, if if something like Last Vermeer, if that idea sounds cool to you, then you will like it. It is good. Yeah. It's everything it's cracked up to be. And if you really like the idea of something else and I was a little more hesitant about it, then give it a chance. It really yep. is. You like the premise of the thing? Does it fulfill its promise? That's what we're. That's how we're trying to review these. I yeah. this this had a lot of my own biased like favorites in it. Although a couple of these I didn't like. Zola, you know, Zola's incredible. People should see that if they're interested in that. That I that, mm-hmm. there's certainly no other 
Well, there are other movies like it, but there's no other movie that I'm aware of that has accomplished just that one that is based on a, on a, a series of a Twitter thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it isn't. I mean, that's a movie for our times. Yeah. So, you know, I gave it a try. I don't feel like it was a waste of my hour and 49 minutes. Um, I didn't like it, go. but that doesn't mean it was bad. So, you know. Right. Try, we try and read between the lines as we keep going. And yeah, guys, there let us go. know if you're watching any of these and if you're digging them or if you don't share our opinion or stuff. And we'll get your opinion on the show. And if we've left something out, maybe it's coming up, but maybe it isn't. Mm-hmm. Throw, throw it out there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, and and of course you can reach out to us on the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan Facebook page, uh, Movie Show with Joel and Ryan on YouTube. If you are watching this, like and subscribe. Uh, and of course, uh, if you are listening to us and you haven't for some reason subscribed or given us a, a rating, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or 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 uh, 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 oh, we got some of the other platforms, iHeartRadio or Pandora, uh, please go ahead. Please please feel free. You know what? We're gonna say you should go ahead and give us a good rating. We're we're not removing ourselves from Spotify, uh, not because we don't stand in solidarity with uh, Neil Young and uh, Joni Mitchell and all those super old people, but rather because we're not sure how to do that since it's all uploaded from a different place and <laughs> we don't actually do it ourselves uh, and and no well, one really listens to us there. No so one listens to us there anyway. It makes you so, feel better. <laughs> uh, you know, if we figure out how to deplatform from Spotify, we probably will. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't. but, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, all right. So, uh, and you can, uh, obviously we're on, uh, Twitter and Instagram too, at, at ask Joel and Ryan, uh, give us a, give us a, uh, a, a look there. Um, but yes, and we, so we will be back next week and, uh, yeah, we're going to be hitting some sci-fi. We're going to be hitting some crime, uh, some crime movies and stuff. Uh, and we will have a whole bunch of fun stuff until then. Thanks everybody. Bye you guys. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.